Well, hello, listeners to the Regenerative Business Podcast. So glad to have you with us today. And I have a couple who run a business that you will love hearing about. These two people are um, have incredibly high intentions about what they do. And what I love even more is they have such great aspirations about where else they can go. Let me let the founders and owners of Barkhouse introduce themselves. Hi, Carol. Glad to be with you. It's um, Chris McCurry, and I'm uh, one of the co-founders of the Bark House. Hi, Carol. It's Marty McCurry, and also co-founder. Glad to be here with you. Great. Would uh, one of you, maybe Chris, get us started on what is Bark House? You know, what does it do? Uh, who does it serve? Sure. I think um, maybe the best way to frame that for the listeners is that we are engaged in growing a factory like a forest and connecting our community to nature. That's great. And who do you have in mind when you conceive and make your products and create your conversations with the market? Who are you thinking about buying your product? So buying the product specifically um, would include designers, architects, homeowners. Um, We have distribution channels. We work with developers, project managers. So that's the client base uh, that that we're seeking out. Give us an example of some of the distributors in case our listeners say, hey, I'd like to go look at this stuff. Um, Earth Elements would be a good example. distribution channel to look at. We normally work with a smaller distributor who is more of a boutique, who can hear um, clients' needs. We also sell directly, however. So if we don't have distribution in a particular area, um, and we do have distributors in other countries as well, people can call us and they can find out, do you have a distribution channel here, which just makes that shipping um, issue sometimes a lot easier and it reconnects them with people in their own community. If we don't happen to have a distributor where the person's from though, um, we're more than happy to, to uh, engage with them. And we also like to um, you know, have a conversation with that client in general. We can help to answer those specific questions because we're always wanting to support the distributors in the other areas. So give our listeners an image, you know, talk about, since they can't see it, what it is that you make and then a little bit about how it gets made. Sure. Marty, you want to catch that? Very early on, our our initial explorations was always started with a walk in the woods. Uh, But it was always the intent was to bring these direct extrusions from nature uh, into a context that, that really sometimes defies belief where we're, we're bringing these natural textures and in, in doing direct applications. So, you know, the, the, the whole development of the product line was to explore these things that, that I grew up with uh, and spent my whole childhood, you know, immersed with and figuring out a way to bring that into the built environment. So, uh, and what, what that part trend- of that, tell, make this more concrete. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen it. Is this something comes in a bunch of pieces, you put it up on a wall? I mean, give us a real concrete image and then how it's so different. Cause there are probably other people doing a similar thing, but not even remotely the way you are. What we have always done, we have always 
made all of our product lines out of forest waste. And so very specifically, what that means is we have learned processes of peeling tree bark away from, uh, which is, you know, direct waste stream from the normal timber industry. So we take all of this waste bark and uh, hand extract this in such a way to maintain its integrity. We, we, we bring it into our facility, we, we dry it, we flatten it, we sterilize it, and then we manipulate it in such a way to panelize this raw bark. So in some cases, we literally will peel a log that may be 12 feet long and seven or eight foot wide sheet of bark uh, in, mm. in one piece and manage that one single piece in such a way that uh, it literally goes to a client uh, uh, as if it's its own sheet of plywood. So uh, it just has an easy uh, application at that point. But so that is I what we excel at. Well, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we had a house that had what I think was called wainscoting, which had wood along the bottom, uh, uh -huh. like halfway down a wall. Tell, explain how this is different or similar or something. I'm still working on the image for people to be able to see how sure. this would be. You know, when 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 people take when you're walking through the forest, you know, uh, obviously you can, you can stare up at the canopy or you can look at the understory, but as you're walking through that forest and your hand is out reaching and touching your, your, your hand is going to these tree trunks and these tree trunks, uh, varying species have varying textures and colors of bark. And so what we have been able to do is take a number of these species and extract these whole sheets of bark off, flatten them, laminate them in some cases and uh, other cases using them overlapping uh, for exterior wall shingles but literally directly applying um, these tree barks uh, uh, to wall surfaces wow. and so it it literally gives you the feeling uh, within uh, any uh, particular wall that 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 you're you are directly touching nature wow. you are directly touching this uh, this extrusion. It's just what we excel at is our knowledge and ability to be able to manipulate these textures in such a way that we can make them builder friendly. So it's not structural to the building. It's what we call adorning. And we were so impressed with what you've done that the Regenerative Business Summit just honored you for the adorning um, nomination uh, at the summit for the prize. Uh, and I'm beginning to be able to see a picture of that now. To if I want to feel like I'm in the woods, even when I'm indoors, I can be I can bring this beautiful wood you create, these these products you create, and add them as the way to adorn my home. Sure, and and it's important to note that you know uh, when designers step into this picture now, and and they begin to take these textures and. And they may sometimes throw these textures out of normal context. In other, way, other words, the direction of the grain may be shifted one way or another, or the actual uh, uh, you know, uh, mixing of, of different barks together to, to, to create some type of montage. There's all these, all these application techniques that can fool you from 
what you may perceive is is the uh, the original orientation of that texture in such a way that you recognize that this is still something natural and organic. I just can't quite figure out what it is, oh. and so that's where it becomes extremely exciting. It's it's not necessarily uh, can be pigeonholed into this is a rustic texture. Um, it, it, it crosses uh, 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 many levels of refinement in that way. We ought to mention your website right now because I can feel as people are listening to this, they now want to go look. Tell them how they could go look and see what you're describing. Well, it is a little bit complicated, but it is barkhouse.com. And that is uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the simplest way to remember us and to get there. And when you get there, I think you will be amazed because we can talk about it with words, but uh, so many times the images uh, then get people even closer, but nothing ever uh, substitutes putting your hands on this. Yeah. I think we ought to hear a little bit about why you founded this business. I mean, I can hear, Marty, you grew up in the woods, walking through the woods. and But what led, uh, Chris, what led you and Marty to found this business, and how long ago did you do that? Sure. Um, we've been in business for over 25 years, and we had to go through a long process of research and development. Uh, the bark of trees had not been extruded in this manner in modern ages at all, so Marty had to come up with the processes to actually uh, make this in a way that would work with modern construction. And we did so. Uh, you know, it's a shared um, process, and Marty really wanted people to purely touch nature, to reconnect um, with that nature. And to me, an important an important element that I brought to the package was um, hearing and resonating with others, and and wanting to serve. Um, not what we thought they needed, but what they were saying that they needed in their lives um, to make their lives more whole and uh, enlivened. So that's really the aspect. Um, we were both highly inspired. We both had very deep relationships, um, personal relationships growing up in nature um, within our own family sets. Uh, so those two things kind of came together and we created a company um, based on that. So I think um, I'm in my head, I'm listening to what are my listeners asking, and I can hear every one of them right now say, but is that good for the trees? I mean, how did you figure out whether or not you could be in integrity with your own production yes. process with nature? Talk about that a bit. Yes, so we have to kind of understand the science of forestry when we do that. Um, one of the things that we've noted in listening to other people is that we have a preoccupation uh, that was actually started over 100 years ago with our natural, uh, natural National Park Service, which was to give people an uninterrupted view of beauty and enjoyment uh, of nature, which is not exactly to say that we were appreciating nature for what it is, but what we saw it as. So that's been perpetuated for a hundred years. And, and when we tell people that we are involved with people who cut trees down, because this is a process that requires cutting a tree and then we're, we're reclaiming the waste bark from that process. The trees are already being cut. We don't ever touch those logs. They're going to 
um, meals and so forth to be processed. But you can do forestry very regeneratively and very honorably. So it, it took us a while to reconcile um, that with some clients and we continue, I guess, if there's anything that causes a pause for people, uh, it's the contemplation that yes, there is a removal of trees. So we have to understand that in the context of this place. So we're harvesting the product exclusively from the Appalachian region. And in the Appalachian region, there's not large plantations where you have a monoculture. You have growth that's natural and that regenerates. And these loggers are going out. It's only two or three man crews that are going out with smaller equipment. They're having less of an impact on the soil and less of an impact on erosion. They're select cutting um, the trees in a given area. It's usually limited to about a 10 acre tract because okay. these are personally owned lands that they're going onto. So that forest has been given the opportunity to regenerate itself and regrow. In the U.S., we have um, a very strong and um, responsible forest management system. The U.S. Forest Service actually has done things quite well. So that is something that we can be proud of when we look at the bigger picture and the worldview of forestry. Um, one of the things that the uh, panel of jurists who were looking at the nomination that was made for you uh, were, one of the reasons they honored you is because they felt like you kind of defined the whole for which you felt stewardship responsibility was different than most people who are in the built environment. They often feel like the whole is the house or the building, but it was very clear that you had much more that you were holding, can you describe what that is? What you, when I say to you, what's the hole you feel stewardship for? Sure. So what I think that um, you're alluding to is that we are trying to integrate a regenerative process on really a 360 degree scale. So we're doing that within our local community, which means our vendors, our employees, and the community in which we function. Uh, and then we're also doing that uh, with the our clients um, and our distributors, which represent the other side of that 360-degree circle. And our contemplation of responsibility is that it's our job to listen, to be present, and to figure out what's important to all of those different, we'll call them stakeholders, in the process. So, for example. Um, our vendors are people who have, uh, we live in the Appalachian region, it's a beautiful landscape, and, and the people of this area recognize our deep connection to um, rocks, rivers, and trees, specifically. Hmm. And the, the, the people, the foresters, the, the loggers, have tried to work inside buildings in the past, but they know that they're they're not feeling enlivened when, when they're stuck inside buildings and they need, we've interviewed them, um, we've had multiple conversations with them, they need to be outside to be enlivened, you know, to feel um, right in the world. So in this region, there's a lot of economic depression. Um, there aren't a lot of job opportunities. So when Marty created a process that reclaimed the bark from the trees, 
what he did was give them an opportunity to make three times their income for one log than they were making for the log itself. He gave them the opportunity to stay connected in nature. And we encourage, we, we follow through, we, um, we go out in the woods, we check their processes, we're actively involved, we're in relationship with them. And, and we're looking at not just, you know, sustainability variables, which are good. Um, we're looking at this from a regenerative point of view and um, trying to look at regrowing the forest and um, how do we do that best and how can we support the lives of our vendors, of our employees, not to do what we what we necessarily value. It's nice that we can coalesce and that we agree on these values, that we that we all hold nature in high esteem. That's kind of a core value of it all. Um, but then the presentation of that can be somewhat different. That can show up in the way they work. That can show up um, in the way that they live their life or, or spend their, their leisure time. That's great. Um, Marty, you want to add anything to that, uh, particularly if you look at how you run a workshop and work with people and kind of where the heart nature of those connections are? You know, Carol, early on, uh, it, it in, in the beginnings, uh, I guess, of our company, it was it was uh, uh, really started off with with uh, with just me and my hands. Uh, Chris would join me when she could, and, and we began this process exploration and trying to to find a, a, a way to to get these raw materials, you know, in 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 any kind of volume to actually produce a product. And it automatically, uh, very quickly, sent me into uh, communication with all these uh, uh, local folks and local craftsmen and, and local loggers and workers, and and so it it had to be, to become a, a collaborative effort from the beginning to ever produce enough volume of this material to make it viable, and so that led to a host of conversations. Uh, I'm asking them to do something that they've never done before. So how do you put a price on that? How do you put a price on someone's time that, that, that says, Hey, okay, I will stop my normal process and break away from that to also do this, uh, for you. So it, it becomes a very complex thing to create something out of nothing. But the beauty in it is, is how everyone worked together uh, in being able to get us the raw material, how we in turn began to train and, and teach people how to manipulate this. And in turn, at the same time, having to take a product that had never been seen before and actually create a market for it, uh, being able to communicate uh, with the builders, with clients, with, with designers and say, look, uh, here's this new thing. We have it. What's your inputs on this? How how do we need to change or manipulate the way we're uh, presenting this material to you in such a way that you're more comfortable uh, with using it? And so it, it it's really uh, interesting in, in, when I look back on on our career of just how collaborative really all this has been uh, all along the way from from the harvest of the raw material all the way to the, the final presentation to the client has absolutely been necessary for deep communication within each group of these people uh, in order to make this successful. Right. And then one of the areas that we can't 
communicate is ask the planet, how are we helping you? What, you know, what are we doing? How are we showing up? So unfortunately, in that aspect, we have to turn to science and we have to look at what is our input. Uh, we, we aren't yet able to study outcomes uh, on the planet impact, uh, but we can look at our input. And what we know is that we actually improve the water quality. Uh, we, we use zero water in the manufacturing. We are actively engaged in water stewardship initiatives. Um, we actually improve the soil because we're taking uh, a reclaimed product that can biodegrade and return to the earth cleanly, bypassing a landfill, you know, not, not creating any um, issues or any waste stream problems there. Uh, and also in aspect to the air, we're actually, because we're taking a waste product and we're placing it in the built environment, it sequesters more carbon and holds that in the built environment than all of the manufacturing processes uh, that we are engaged in all the way back to our tier one vendors. So we can scientifically measure those inputs. I'm, um, as I listen to you talk about, and I was thinking this specifically when you were each talking about the people who work for you, how has it changed any of their relationships to these ideas we have about a healthy forest and um, working in a way that can regenerate the planet and society. Do you see changes in your own workforce? And are there any stories about that? <laughs> we, we have a great website. And I would, I would love for people to, if they want to see this, if they actually want to touch this themselves, we have a wonderful resource. And it's barkhouse.com backslash authentic. So we've actually interviewed the vendors. You can see them speak in their own voices in in their own um languages what how this has impacted them um during during this whole process i I was often brought to tears it's not necessarily that i'm changing anything about the way they do it i am supporting their life force Um, one vendor in particular said you do realize um (laughs) that there's no waste in the tree any longer because of the process that you created. It brought me to tears because um, my grandfather, you know, inspired that he instilled to not be wasteful. Um, so it's not so much um, all the time that, that we're impacting them. We're supporting them to do the things that they really hold as important. Um, and Marty, I'll let you talk because I know that you want to speak to the impact some. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's 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 such a beautiful thing. Even even the way we operate here at the facility, um, we 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 never hire folks. It is really uh, we're in a remote location. It's very economically depressed, and a, and a lot of uh, folks have moved away from the area. And so we're so blessed to you know have the people working for us that we do. But we don't hire them in here for a specific job. We we bring them in and and say, look, you need to train them how to do everything that we do here and how to do it safely. And, and, uh, and then we, we take a step back and, and start trying to allow them to, to spread their wings here uh, in such a way as they have inputs. Uh, we've, we've got our yard guys right now. They're, they're designing their own training videos for themselves and for future employees. So 
there's uh, we, we try to, to let people blossom while they're here, but I, I think there's never more of an impact to that than what we get from our vendors because uh, early on uh, in the process when it was almost a novelty around here, uh, go to Barkhouse, they'll buy anything. <laughs> uh, kind of a, a kind of approach, you know. Uh, they'll buy roots, they'll buy stumps, they'll buy <laughs> they'll buy tree bark. You wouldn't believe what all they buy. But 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 what was going on within that is it was bringing about creativity uh, 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 viewpoint from from these vendors in the woods. Not only were they happy to be able to be taking something that was uh, waste product and actually get paid for it, but that they themselves begin to look for specific oddities and things out there in 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 nature that that was going to be wasted to to bring in to see what we could do with it. So they help make us better. Wow. Um, that's the and beauty of of a collaborative relationship in that way. Yes, and then and then very important are our employees who come in and and we we tell them you know your job description is do your best. That's all the job description that you're. That is the overriding relationship component here. And an example is our lead salesman who's been with us for 10 plus years came here um, with the idea of wanting to be supportive of people. He did. He told me from the very beginning, I will never be a salesman. <laughs> we didn't want him to sell products. We wanted him to support, to, to, to enact his desire, the thing that he's really here to do, to be supportive of the clients, to help them to achieve their higher goals, to, you know, and we're all the time trying to improve our process of listening um, and discerning, you know, what, what is it that the client wants to do and how can we engage with them? People don't know to expect what we do from a manufacturer. And even even the systems and the structures that are in place out there that help to educate people um, about what's possible in the world of sustainability, they don't often reach back to the level of the manufacturer and start the conversation there. So people don't necessarily know what they can expect when when they come to uh, a company like ours. And, and we're listening for what are their needs, what are their goals, and then we're engaging with them on those levels. So let's move a little bit to um, the kind of challenges you have to face, given that the world not everywhere is incredibly receptive to the kind of ideas, especially at the level of the cause and mission that you have. What have you faced in trying to bring something to market, have it be a viable business for you, and what do you think you have learned most about how to engage in the world of sustainability and now regeneration that makes it possible to have a solid growing business. Sure. Marty, you want to talk on that or you want me to? Well, uh, let me say a little bit about my background, Carol. Um, uh, I grew up in a family of builders. Um, I grew up in a family where I was the youngest of the youngest. And so I, I grew up with old people. Uh -huh. uh, that 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 came from that, that came. From, uh, I mean, my mother was uh, uh, barely first generation out of a dirt floor. So you know, I, I had a connection there to wild crafting and 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 being a child of the forest, I guess you could say. And so, 
combining that with a building component and and then when I went off to higher education I was in everything from uh, chemical engineering to architecture so all of the groundwork had had been laid there uh, for me to understand how I needed to present a product uh, I, I still was completely open and and had to have a lot of feedback all through uh, uh, the chain of, of ownership of that product. Uh, but it was being able to speak those multiple languages that made at least getting the product to market much easier than maybe for some other folks. However, uh, it become abundantly clear along the way that, that everyone suddenly had a focus on, uh, measuring what you do, being able to prove what you say, which always kind of, just naturally, uh, I think insulted me because, uh, uh, my word ought to be standing good enough, but somehow or another, I have to have someone else come in and prove to you that what I say is true. So, all right, I can, I can live within that. So we did. And, uh, we, we got our material, not only tested for various things that, that needed to be known, but, but carried a lot of third party verification and certifications to, to what we had done, even achieving the pinnacle of, of one certifying body, uh, the, the only material to ever reach that level. So I went through that. Uh, who was that? Just say who that. Sure, that, that was uh, Cradle to Cradle. Uh, I'll let Chris speak uh, about them okay. because. She well, that's was all right. So just, I, I didn't need to go through the whole detail. I just knew that people were going to say, well, who is that? So keep telling the story. You got to certifications, reached the peak, and then? Well, at this point, you know, you sit here and you go, okay, um, uh, uh, you know, from a business perspective, it's a lot of money to maintain uh, these certifications, you know, money that sometimes we feel like could be spent elsewhere. But more importantly, uh, you know, how many times do I need to keep proving what we've always known to be true about what we do? So. At this point, it's more about the communication, I guess, uh, to the end user of what our true essence is. And I think that sometimes just having certifications can be uh, a, a bit short-sighted in the sense that that's just, a, uh, you know, it may be a very deep look, but it's it's one-dimensional of, of, of the whole process. The process has to be bigger than that. I mean, yeah. I've... We've proven, you know, that we do things the right way. Uh, it's more important now to show the way of life. So we are about to run out of time here, but uh, I know there are two more questions I can think of that I know listeners will want to know, which is a husband and wife working together. What were you thinking? <laughs> and how do you make that work? Yeah, and, and it's a husband and wife team who are both uh, very headstrong and, and leadership oriented. So, you know, and it, it does go back to your primary relationship. We've been married for over 30 years now. Um, and we, we had to learn along the way that very often we are on opposite sides of the spectrum. I'll have an idea and, and be far right. Marty will have an idea and be far left. And, and often in the process, we exchange places. And we know that if we come to a middle ground or somewhere in that radius, that we've really created something that was so much better than we could have ever done if our singular idea had been enacted 
solely. So we learn to live in a both and world as opposed to an either or world. And I think that's important in a core value that that we hold and we contemplate um, both in our team, for our company, uh, and when we're interfacing with the public. That's great. So the last question, um, what are you looking at as your challenge now that you feel like if you really want to get on this road um, at a, I don't know, a steeper, faster rate, clearer maybe, toward regeneration, where do you feel like is the major restraint you are facing up to? And if anything you have in mind about how you plan to take it on? Yeah, I think the big potential that uh, that's sitting out there right now, it keeps on coming back to me over and over as I'm talking with um, certifying bodies, as I'm talking, if I'm looking at strategies that acknowledge and recognize um, architectural excellence, because ultimately our product is used in by the by the industry uh, of architecture and and in buildings. So I think that it's important. I think we're at the point, and I, I see a real valid possibility right now that we can start to include manufacturers in a more meaningful way instead of me as a certifying body thinking that I'm going to tell a manufacturer what they need to do to fix something. Um, I think that manufacturers have to come to the forefront of the conversation because we are the ones who um, are the first in the line to actually determine if that material is processed extractively or regeneratively. And, and that is in regard to people and planet. Um, it is time for manufacturers to actually be invited to the table and to have meaningful dialogue uh, with the other stakeholders uh, in this process. All of us are accountable and responsible to our, um, first to ourselves and, and also to the client who's wanting the project. So um, I think it's important for those dialogues to become deeper and more meaningful and to actually show up in measurement strategies uh, and in conversations in a, in a deeper and more meaningful way. Do you want to add anything to that, Marty? Yeah, uh, I would. I would also say that that within designing of of any project, if if we have such a deep connectivity here with uh, our folks in the forest and and uh, in such a deep engagement with them, and and how we get our material in in here and how we process it and the deep connection and and service that we try to provide moving forward with the manipulation of this product on to the customer. I think that with within the designers themselves, you know, I would like a better bridge there to where not just in one single product, but all the products, all the things coming together within a design needs that kind of deep rooted circular engagement all the way through and through. I think at that point, you do have uh, a whole design. Wow. Well, you guys are inspiring to me. Uh, every time I have a conversation with you, I can see how much you move beyond the boundaries of just producing a product and getting it out the door, including your own growth and development. Let's one more time tell people how they can find you, either to look uh, and also to contact you. What would you suggest about how they do each of those? 
Sure. So um, the website again is barkhouse.com. And a uh, phone number where they can reach us is 828-765-9010. Great. Well, thank you both so much, Chris and Marty. I love having you in my life, knowing you, and now having you in my recordings so other people can know about you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you.